named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to another episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Sam Hunter. For the second week in a row, I am not joined by Mark Worrell. I am joined by Mr. Simon Gates. Simon, good morning. I was going to say good evening, but it is, in fact, good morning. I'm going to say good day, Sam. Good day. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Oh, thank you for coming back. How's your week been? Uh, it has been very good, actually. Um, I think there's been a lot of negativity in the press <laughs> from, <laughs> obviously, the, the base rate rise. Uh, the Nationwide House Price Index came out, the Halifax House Price Index came out, and the media will look at any which way they can to twist uh, data um, to fit that narrative. Um, but uh, what I think will be interesting to see is at the end of this week, mm. and perhaps I'll report back to you on this so that you can share with uh, Mark when he's back next week, but how what number of sales are agreed at the end of this week compared to the sale leading up to the base rate rise? Mm. Uh, to the week leading up to the base rate rise, should I say? Because Chris Watkin actually put out a really good stat about that exact thing when it went from what was it four and a half to five several weeks ago and actually the level of sale agreed the week after was pretty much the same so it's as if by by sellers are going this is kind of this is it now like we're, we're not going back down on rates for, for the foreseeable so we've got to like it uh, and lump it really so yeah it'll be interesting to see and i can report back on that let's talk about those house price indexes for a second um, you said something really interesting there. You're like, right, those indexes have come out and the media are obviously looking for the story that they need to tell. Uh, and I think um, Mark and I have spoken about this in the past, that the, the the media, so the sun rises in the morning is the Halifax price index, right? The media write about first light or they write about the blazing heat or whatever it is. They look for the extremities of the yeah. event whatever the said event is, because if you just say the sun came up this morning or interest rates went up and you report on the event itself rather than the emotion surrounding that event and the possibilities, not the realities surrounding that event, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's probably very good journalism, but it's boring. Um, and yeah. we won't talk about cricket this week, but there's plenty of sensationalist media around events that went on during that Ashes series. So... When you read the Halifax price index, or when you read the right move house price index, as I know you read it, it's the thing you look forward to most every single month, right? It's like if it came in the letterbox, you'd run to your letterbox and look for it every single day. <laughs> what when you read those, what do you see? And how can an agent see what you see so they can actually go and contextually communicate that to their marketplace? Well, I think for example, on the nationwide house house price index um last week the headlines were prices dropping at the highest rate since 2009 was their 
negative headline. Um, when actually at that point, the prices were dropping at like 10, 15% on an annual basis, whereas this is like three and a half percent, which is so not, their, you know, their statement is true in that it is the in, fastest since that time. However, exactly. they couldn't be, they, they are not comparable statistics, nor are they comparable markets. Exactly. And then the other bit on it is, and this is something we discussed a while ago. Do you remember uh, there was like a little graph that we spoke about and it was what does a 20% drop look like? So if prices drop 5%, 10%, 15 20%, and that looking at Halifax Nationwide, it's basically saying prices are about 5% down if we're going to use that language on the peak of last summer mm. and actually i'm just looking at my other screen now they've returned to where they were at the start of 2022 that fits that data that we looked at a while ago a five percent change has meant we've gone back to 2020 the start of 2022 which is still the two years worth of growth during covid which depending on where you are in the country is probably roughly 20 percent. so <laughs> let's say average, average property price of what 250 so you know people have made gross fifty thousand pounds and I know that is an I I'm I'm isolating it there because there's like so many different factors. But let's just say average homeowner across the UK has has grossed fifty thousand pounds during COVID. But that's not being reported. It's just saying how the market has uh, gone to its worst place since two thousand nine. Well, I mean, if your clients aren't putting that out as a social media post by the end of this week, uh, then everyone listening to this podcast will. Because what a good message it is to share. Interest rates went up, yes, but did you know that the average homeowner across the UK has pocketed fifty grand in equity since COVID? And uh, the the gripe that every estate agent has is how uh, rare people move these days. It used to be you get the seven-year itch, you know, you buy a starter home, then you upgrade it to your family home, then you upgrade it to your forever home, and you end up still selling that seven years later because something changed in your life, whereas now it's closer to sort of 15 or 20 years, um, depending on the market and depending on the type of property as well. I'm, I'm talking in very broad averages. Um, but if people are looking at, the fastest uh, house price drop since 2009 and the majority of people have been living in the house since before then, they're probably looking at the highest growth, uh, growth in equity in the last yeah. 20 years as well. So it's, it's a bit like when, and you talk about this on your podcast, we've been talking about this since you and I have first known each other and Mark and I certainly mentioned this a lot on this show. It's when you're in a listing presentation and you ask somebody the question, why are you moving? And they say they need a bigger house. That's the headline. Yeah, yeah. Interest yeah. rates moving for the fastest time, or, or price reductions happening for the fastest time since 2009 is the headline. You can't just accept the surface level. You can't accept the headline. You've got to then go and understand what that really means because that is the difference in the answer to the question of how's the market or is now a good time to sell that you'll be asking, asked of by the most motivated people in the marketplace and being able to say exactly what you've just said there is how you can turn around and, and say, well, that's why I'm 2% because I understand it. And I've given you all this information. And I've actually given you the confidence to sell now when everyone else is and the media has beaten it up that it's not a great time to sell. We're actually, there's not a lot on the market. You are actually on the market in isolation, which most sellers for the past 30 years have, haven't been able to say it is a fantastic time and will help you buy yada, yada, yada. If you on what you're saying there as well, there's a couple of things that it, it made me think about. So again, in two thousand nine, when prices were you know dropping at an alarming rate, 
the supply levels had increased significantly mm. and demand had decreased significantly because banks couldn't lend money, buyers couldn't borrow money, and there was just an influx of property to the market. We can see there is not an influx of property to the market right now. There's a lot more on the market than there was a year ago, but it was ridiculously low a year ago. Yet demand, according to Zoopla Right Move, is actually where it was in 2019. That's what their house price indexes are saying. Mm. If if I was an agent now, I wouldn't be displeased at demand levels at 2019 because I've worked that market and it wasn't terrible. No. So I think that's one thing there. And then in terms of what you just said about transaction levels of people moving once every 15, 20 years compared to what they used to back in the day of that seven-year itch, the stats that are being shown is that first-time buyers are not leaving the market. They're continuing to enter it because of soaring rental prices. And they're like, if I can buy a house, I'll try and do it. Bank of mum and dad have been helping out, et cetera, et cetera. But rather than going in and buying, let's say, the three-bed semi that they have done in recent years because of interest rates being so low, they can do it. They're now stepping back down and going, maybe let's start with a flat. Well, I think that actually in the next few years, that will increase transaction levels because they're making one more move, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're buying the flat and a few years' time, they'll then go to the house. Whereas in years gone by, they've gone... I might as well just go for the house and, and skip the flat because I don't want to pay extra stamp, uh, sorry, pay the stamp duty second time around. Um, I don't want to pay estate agency fees, removal, solicitors, et cetera. But because stretch is on affordability, they've gone, maybe I'll just get onto the ladder with the flat. So in turn, there might be more transactions in a few years' time because the first-time buyers are the most active buyer group at the moment, fact. 100%. And actually, that that is what the entire market relies on. Um, because first-time sellers yeah. don't happen uh, most of the time without first-time buyers. Uh, and again, that's just another really fundamental message to everybody listening to this of, of care for your buyers. Really go out of your yeah. way to understand their needs and to make the calls that you make to your sellers about or to your potential sellers about them. Because if you can go and prospect as a service, as a, a helpful need, it's a hell of a lot easier to get a result whether that's an actual listing appointment or just a better relationship with somebody who owns a house that might want to sell it one day in the next 15 and 20 years then it is just to call somebody up and say hey um you're did you know there's not very much on the market and now's a really good time to sell and i'll do it for 0.9 percent including that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh not that anyone listening to the show would do that right so last week uh, I issued you a bit of a challenge uh, around momentum. Um, do you remember what I asked you? Not a clue, no. Of course I do. <laughs> right, so um, I, it's really interesting. You and I both listen to a lot of podcasts, and I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts listen to other podcasts as well. It's very rare to find someone who's just like, no, that's my show. Um, and one of the interesting things, uh, certainly of the the things that we listen to is you hear from people not necessarily at the end of their story but very far into their story so they've tasted some uh sustainable legitimate success if you want to call it that uh, and they'll they'll tell stories of what it was like at the start and you know it was hard and tough and we worked really hard and we thought it was going to fail and all this but they got where they got to. Very rarely do you get the opportunity to hear from people in the moment and how they're maintaining what they've worked so hard to build. And that's kind of 
the sense that I wanted us to spend a little bit of time on. So I, I sort of put out there uh, around momentum and and all that sort of stuff. And I think um, this was inspired by a, a quote that I read a while back and I kind of just remind myself of often, which is that uh, life, if you want to think of it like that, uh, comes from you, not at you. So it's whatever you put out into the world invariably comes back to you in spades. Good, bad, ugly, lazy, uh, accelerator, whatever it might be, right? And I think you should be commended and and I'll stop saying nice things about you now and ask some questions in a second, but I think you should be commended because you took your dreams, right, and you turned them into decisions that you could make every day. Um, and from where I'm sitting and what I believe to be true, but no, yet don't yet definitely practice day in, day out, and that's something that I'm getting better, is that business, marriage, friendships, fitness, health, all that stuff, right? Um, making the right decisions in any of these respects, so turning those dreams into decisions, all leads to momentum, right? And and all of success, if that's the word that we'll keep maybe referring back to today, progress perhaps, um, all comes from momentum. So um, I want you to talk to the listeners about your momentum, right? How did you get it? And what are you doing now to keep it? So I think the first thing I think of when you when you just said what you said, and then when you threw that bombshell on me at the end of last week's episode that we're going to talk about this is to quote uh, something Stephen Brown says a lot of success leaves clues. Mm. Um, I think that I was at a point late last year where I was like there's something missing and it was like where was I at my I don't know personally professionally at my best and what did that look like um so going back through kind of the the diary I used to journal a lot um and look at okay when was my happiest and what was I doing and that was clearly building momentum um and if I compare perhaps the end of last year so let's talk about kind of the the negative side um, per se, I think having worked at home for three years, mm. it all of a sudden became very, very easy to get out of bed, shower, coffee, sit at desk. And there was nothing wrong with that because I could still start my day and have a very, very productive day at work. Uh, it's not as if I was do- doing less, but actually even not even an hour could i get up 15 minutes earlier and walk in the sun or could i just do a bit of stretching or just go for a walk you know walk to the shop whatever walk the dogs quickly um so i think that changing those small little habits uh, is a big thing um on that and i if i look back to what two days before january and i slightly digress but I decided to, and it's not all about this, but decided to stop drinking for a bit. And I didn't give myself a target, but dry January is a common thing, mm. as we all know. And and over the years, I think that's quite an easy target to hit because everyone's hung over from Christmas. No one's got no money. It's dark. Yeah. It's miserable. It's cold. It's wet. I was like, I'll just do dry January. And by the end of January, so what's that? 33 days of no drinking. On the 31st of January, I rang you to say I'm quitting. Um, and I think that it was probably something I, I wrote down between Christmas and New Year was 
start my own business in 2023. Mm. So I guess that was the start of momentum. But if I hadn't of quit drinking, that I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't an excessive drinker or anything, but it's, you know, a Friday night or a Saturday night, you have half a dozen pints, you feel a bit sluggish for next week. But I don't know, I think that not drinking, I was sleeping a lot better and had clarity. Um, and I was perhaps making better decisions. So I was getting up earlier. And maybe because I was up that 15 minutes earlier, half an hour earlier, an hour earlier by the end of the month, I was writing down these ideas and I was mm. researching stuff and going, this this actually might be a viable thing. Um, but it's not all um, sunshine and rainbows because at the start of January, there were several targets I, I put out. So stop drinking alcohol and I'm what, 200, nearly 250 days and that's, that's gone well. Uh, start a business, that's that's ticking along. But there are other things I wanted to do. One was I signed up to the gym. I've been to the gym twice <laughs> this year. Okay, I but that, I haven't though. let that yeah. But I haven't let that stop everything else. Yeah. Has it been, oh I've failed at that, so I'm just gonna chuck everything else out the window. So gym gone twice. Um need to go back to that. That's another story. I wanted to play a lot more golf, signed up to golf membership, and I, I signed up to golf membership because fair amount of money. And it's like, well, I'm going to go do that. I like my golf. It's actually an exercise what, that I could have been getting uh, from the gym, but also it's work for business as well. So it's kind mm. of business and pleasure. Um, so that's been very, very good. And again, in terms of momentum, uh, if I didn't have golf, it could be so easy to work from dusk till dawn and not go do anything else. But because well, apart from like recently, because we've had really bad weather in this country, it's been really good to get up earlier because I'm not drinking I'm sleeping a lot better get up earlier do lots of undisturbed uh deep work uh in the morning before agents are, are waking up and messaging me I get loads of work done then I do work with agents and then by the middle of the afternoon I can go play golf but and then in the evening I perhaps do a, a, a bit more work for example so I've got that um that blend there but the other things, for example, I decided to stop eating crisps because um, that is my downfall. I bloody love crisps. So um, I think I went three months without eating any crisps. I literally just cut it out completely. Um, and I probably did lose a, a little bit of weight, actually. Um, but there was these roast lamb and mint sauce crisps on offer and I just couldn't say no. So I had to get them and then I was, I was back on it. Um, but the other one as well was Coca-Cola. So I, I can drink a lot of Coke. I've not had any Coca-Cola since Christmas. But every so often you might want a fizzy drink, but I've replaced that Coca-Cola with lemonade. So I can have one or two lemonades that went for dinner last night, had a lemonade, but once I've had that lemonade, I'm fine. Whereas a Coca-Cola, I could drink one glass and it'd be the whole one litre bottle. So I've kind of rambled on there a little bit, but the whole point is, there's some bits that have gone right. There's some bits that have gone wrong, but it's all started with a bit of momentum. I made that uh, turn of dream into a decision, but what's going to help support me get momentum with it? Well, try and sign up to the gym. Uh, let's stop drinking. Maybe don't eat crisps every evening because it then uh, makes you feel sluggish. Don't be drinking Coca-Cola because it's then going to give you, you know, a, a high for five minutes and then you're going to uh, sink back down to drink more water. So, making really like purposeful decisions on again success leaves clues and that i think has helped me um start the momentum um but i think as well with it i couldn't be 
believe at the start of March how quickly things progressed for me. Mm. I was really, really blown away. But I immediately said to myself, don't get carried away with this and don't get disheartened when you go from the top of the mountain and then come tumbling down because there was this intrigue around what I was doing at the start. It was really, really busy. And then I, I knew it would go from 100 miles an hour to 10 miles an hour pretty quickly. And I haven't let that ruin my my mindset on it because now I'm at a place where I'm like, actually, this is a nice level of, of busy mm. uh, and still being productive. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, in terms of momentum, um, I, I'm no good at physics because, you know, like probably failed it at school, but you've got to you've got to do something to start that ball rolling. And it was those little actions, which in isolation don't mean a lot, but they've added up. And I think just the final point on it, Rob, shut up and breathe for a second, is I remember you saying something, I can't remember if it was to me or on a podcast, but like you mentioned that when you'd, and this isn't about sobriety or anything, um, I will go have a drink again at some point, but you mentioned before, I think that you'd stop drinking uh, when we're in like lockdown. And then you had the best news in the world that <laughs> you're expecting uh, your first child, Lissy, right? And yeah. I remember you saying that. It's like, I've, I've, I've stopped this one thing and look what's come out the other side. Yeah, so I'd, I'd stopped uh, at Christmas, on Christmas Day, uh, 2019. Uh, well, uh, early morning of Boxing Day uh, after a massive <laughs> uh, seeing my Christmas dinner again, which is what prompted the whole thing because I was like, I'm in my mid-30s, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, hmm. and yeah, uh, it's good. So I'll come back to the whole, something comes into your life when, when you lose something there, but I got a couple of follow-up questions that I want to ask you on that. But before I get there, I think where you're going with the physics thing is that <laughs> if an object is at rest and I do remember my like year eight physics and it was kind of the only, cause this, this was the interesting stuff. Cause it's like universal laws before you get to anything too mathematical, but it's an object at rest stays at rest unless acted upon by an external force um, and an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an external force. Um, so you've got two choices, right? Do something or, or don't, um, nothing will change either of those states. Uh, like, um, yeah, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. I should have just left it at external force and moved on. You said something really interesting there and that, and, and, I noticed a trend and I want to see if you agree with it or not, just in, in some of the um, successes and maybe um, learnings throughout so far. It sounds like you've been really successful in the decisions you've made to stop things this year, <laughs> at least on personal side. And then the challenges have perhaps come in starting stuff uh, in terms of like it, you stopped drinking, you've been really successful. You stopped Chris, you've been really successful. Um but the gym, for instance, um, a bit like objects at rest versus emotion. So is it is it easier to stop something than start something? That's the question. Is it easier to stop something than start something? And you're going to tell me there's like a study on this that you've read and what the answer is statistically. Um, oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think they intertwine. So going back to what I, I said earlier, um, I stopped drinking Coke, but then I drank a lemonade. Mm. So I stopped drinking Coke 
and started drinking something else. So it's kind of replacing one thing with another. So stop stop working till very late at night, start going and playing golf, for example. I don't know if that's kind of uh, answered it, but I think, um, I'm sure I read this the other day, and it's going to really irritate me now about the difference between starting something and stopping something. But um, I'd say it's harder to, I think it's harder to stop something because it's just so ingrained in mm. your brain. I'm just thinking of conversations with agents over over recent years when it's like i don't know well i can't do that because i've always done it this way <laughs> is normally what's said isn't it well, i mm. can't start doing i don't know google ads i can't start using the instant bell so i can't start doing direct mail because i've always done this mm. i think um so the reason why I asked that question, I'd never read anything about it. It, it was just really interesting to me because um, from a personal perspective, I find it a lot easier to stop things and start stuff. I have the same thing with the gym. If I get momentum at the gym, I'm great. But then the moment I get sick, it's like there is a literal uh, force in front of me that's like, don't go back. It's going to be hard. Whereas if I've gone every other day consistently, it's like running every other day consistently then it becomes something that I'm doing and it's easy to keep that going. So again, it comes back to the theme of this conversation, which is all around momentum and stopping drinking. I thought would be, an, and I think you're experiencing this right now. I thought it was this massive thing. Like there's no way I could do that. And it was easy. It was genuinely a piece of piss because you just say no. You just, you do nothing. It's, it's simple. And for like two weeks, the wrong people look at you weird. And the right people pat yeah. on the shoulder and go, great. And then after two weeks, the wrong people just get over it because they're too drunk. And they don't care, right? So um, I think that it is. And so my, my follow-up question to you would be, um, and you now have to just take my opinion and run with it, um, but you can, you can. I like the replacement aspect. That's good too. What's something that an, a, an estate agent can stop or what's something that an estate agent can replace You know, to gain momentum um i actually think taking a leaf out of your book from your dry july um and i think that the world we now live in estate agents do need to be using social media from a professional point of view but i'll i'll go on to set you know after after this zoom here's a really good example after this Zoom, before I go on to another call, I'll quickly check my phone, won't I? Yeah, mm. I can't help it. What notifications there, that dopamine hit, whatever. And it might be a message from someone I'm working with or whatever, but you're there and then you go, oh, that's a funny video. And all of a sudden you're scrolling through, like committing to not doing that. Because again, you mentioned about measuring screen time. Mm. When people say, I don't have enough time, average person spends a few hours on social media, well, a few hours on their phone a day hours on social media social media wasn't a thing as it is now even 15 years ago maybe it was right at the start but smartphones weren't what they were what were we as human beings doing 15 years ago with those few hours you know we haven't all of a sudden had an extra few hours added to our day mm. it, it, it's we've we've replaced something with this so yeah. i i i think back now uh when i was like a weekend assistant uh when i was doing my a levels so 07 to 09 and I, I look back and I'm like, 
I was working hard, ringing people, sending emails, but there wasn't Facebook, Instagram back then. The only thing I kind of had was refresh BBC Sport to see what the football <laughs> scores were. I was playing that FIFA. Was it. <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was it. That was a, a, a Saturday afternoon in in the office. Mm. So it's like right, ring ring a few people whilst you're on the phone. Refresh. There wasn't any distractions, and time went really slowly. But actually, I'm like, I I I did a lot of work mm. then because that I I couldn't go do something else. I was in that office. I couldn't leave it because I was manning it. There was there was no distractions there. So I'd say yeah, look at look at the screen time on on social media. Yes, some of that is going to be from a from a work point of view. And then replace that with the deep work. Um, and what I try and do as well is, for example, between the hours of nine to five, that is when estate agents are going to be working. So that's when I want to be speaking with them, mm. whether it's just a quick conversation over WhatsApp, voice notes, phone calls. Anything outside of nine to five typically is the stuff I do, which is non-communication related. So when I say about working before agents are up and about, if I'm working at seven, eight in the morning, I'm not saying everyone needs to go work at, you know, that time in the morning. But if no one's up and about to speak to, great, that's where I'm going to do my deep work on research, analysis, data. So could those out, could that half an hour, hour uh, before people are up and about, could that be doing your direct mail? Mm. Could that be scheduling your social media sessions? So yeah, I'd say replacing, uh, doing a bit of replacement on on perhaps probably just procrastinating on social media. Well, I like that. Um, coming, so let's come back to you and your business, right? Because I think there's there's people that listen to this that are having those same dreams but haven't yet made the decisions. So what stopped you from from making the decision to back yourself earlier or sooner? Um, so I think firstly, was it a dream of mine um, 12 months ago? Maybe it was in the in the deep, deep back of my mind and I didn't know. Um, so it's not like it was something I was, I was yearning for, but things led up to it. Again, momentum with no intention at the end. So 12 months ago, I started the podcast. Hmm. That had nothing to do with wanting to go do my own thing and let's say break away from home search. Not at all. It was something we discussed that I could do to add value to the industry, put myself out there and maybe home search would get something back from it as well. Win-win for everyone. So there was no intention at the end of that in terms of like me going and setting up, opening the gates. Then at the back end of last year, I started a Facebook group because like, I've got all this, these things and I'd like to pull it into a group and uh, and seeing the growth of things like home search community again, no intention. So again, momentum. I I started started with. I feel like I've got value to give. Go and give it to people, and that had built my kind of audience. Let's say mm-hmm. where people then kept saying to me, "You should go do this yourself." <laughs> and then it was in literally late December where yeah, I, I it was like, hang on a minute, maybe there is something here um and the i think the the thing with it i was in what i was in my last job for a dozen years and i'd probably still be there now if you hadn't rang me and said good hey mate do you want a job um and it and it was a crazy decision to make but it was the best decision i made and 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 it felt right this 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 time around 
Um, and yeah, it all just started with momentum. So don't think of the, the finish line. Mm. There was no like, there's no thought of instant gratification or delayed gratification. It was just start. You know that you can add value. People are enjoy. People have said they enjoyed my content on uh, LinkedIn uh, and stuff. And actually, that the the one thing that stood in my way is I think I I've written it down in in between Christmas and New Year. When I, I every year I write down, you know, what do I want to achieve next year? What what have I achieved this year? What could have gone better, etc. And as it went through January, the only thing, I mean, there's numerous reasons why I would uh, not think of going and doing this. But the one thing stopping me was my mortgage. And I was like, well, you know, I need to remortgage in September. If I go do my own thing, I've got no proof of income. Mm. So that 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 poo-poo's the idea. And someone said to me, well, just go speak to your mortgage broker, see what they say. And literally, it was a 30-second phone call. Hi, Pete. This is what I'm thinking of doing. And he went, yeah, you always sound someday you can switch. Simple as that. They won't ask any questions. It will take you 30 seconds. And I was like, hmm. well, that's my last excuse out the window. And I was like, well, I, that, I've got to go do it now. Hmm. I, I think, And that's kind of how it happened. One of the, one of the questions I was going to ask you as you were going through that was, what would you say to anyone listening who's got the same inkling to go and do something? But I think you nailed on the head of just start. Don't think about the millions at the end and the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, whatever it might be. Just what's the next step and take action on that and build up that uh, avalanche that will then compound and build that momentum and get you where you want to go. Um, what's the most unexpected lesson that you've learned over the last six months? What's the most unexpected lesson? Um, can I give two answers to this? You can give as many as you want. It's your show. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so the first thing that came into my head was um, unexpected lesson. Not really, not realizing how quickly I'd need to get back registered and have an accountant. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> Uh, no, but um, I did. I I I I did not uh, expect that, and I have to say the 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 add-on to that is I shouldn't be surprised, but I am. How supporting the estate agency industry has been, mm. both agents, suppliers, your reaction when I said what I'm going to do, um, and it's been brilliant. And agents, yeah, being really really uh, supportive. So, uh, yeah, the the VAT accountancy side of things uh, had had come as a, a surprise. But actually, John, you know it's also surprising how actually easy it is to set up a business in 2023. Government wants your money, man. They don't make it hard. <laughs> so you know, after I'd after after I'd I'd said to you, I'm going and doing this. Maybe a sane person would have had like everything done in the background. But once I'd told you the news, and it was definitely happening, um, it was like right, okay, company's house, get a domain, get a website ready. Um, right, do these bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, that was surprising. Uh, another thing I would say is when I kind of broke the news on the 1st of March, um, and there was some people who would have known during February, um, I thought I'd be going through my black book and just ringing up people and going, hello, can I can I do business with you? You said you'd support me. Um, and I thought March would be a bit of that and a lot of admin. Mm. But actually, 
business started straight away I, I earned revenue from day one but again that didn't just happen by coincidence or luck it was again that momentum from the, from last summer and the podcast but not not even the podcast before that you know a lot of sharing on LinkedIn home search community doing a lot of webinars with you for example to put myself out there um and I, I think I put a post out the other day where I'd, I'd gone and caught up with Topsy I remember in the very, very, very early days of home search and being asked, oh, can you record a, a video? I was so rigid, <laughs> like so uncomfortable. He- Hello, it's Simon from home search. So you sound like now. Yeah, I do. I thought that as I said it, but um, it's, <laughs> it, it's gone and done that. Thanks for that. Gone and done that uncomfortable thing and get started with it. And then all of a sudden I was like, I really enjoyed this. This is really yeah. good. And then you start getting some feedback. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say on it unexpected was, the power of Instagram for me because uh, I was um, I was that person who's on Instagram who never posted anything so I'd literally like never posted anything well there was a couple of things on there from a, a, a city break with some friends a few years ago but on the 1st of March I basically rebranded my uh, Instagram account to open the gates and started posting and in the last five and a bit months only on one occasion have i not had a live story on instagram so if someone's on instagram obviously comes up with a story to see me i thought why would estate agents be looking at what i'm doing on instagram mine's more facebook groups and linkedin content mm. but i've added more short form content showing a bit of my weird dry sense of human personality onto instagram sharing you know football golf cricket estate agency data and i have got business for instagram and that really surprises me. Mm. So don't the point I think I'm making there and leaving that to the end is don't don't just assume that oh that that's not going to work for me. Like have a look at it, play with it. And actually, a good example is um, Tanya Baker, who you've had in the podcast. So um, just look for this for a second. But she she was doing videos on Instagram, and in her words, not getting much success. She probably mm. was. Um, and she went and had a look at TikTok because Instagram wasn't working too well. And she's blown up on TikTok. And her social media following now, I can't remember the exact stats, but I think like it took her 18 months to get to like a couple of thousand followers. And this is momentum in a nutshell. Then uh, between um, February and June, it went from 2,000 to 10,000. June to July, 15,000. And then uh, by the end of July, she was on 17,000. Wow. That is a perfect example of momentum. Yep, exactly right. And just consistency. We couldn't have an episode of this show without saying that word. Um, uh, thank you for sharing that. I I, I uh, saw her post the other day where she was just like, oh, my God. And actually, she's just doing what I would consider to be uh, entertaining, engaging, educational stuff. And that is you know, what it is. But there's authenticity behind it as well. She's got her quirks, and I mean that in – uh, the most positive sense that is her yeah. and that's why people yeah. buy into her and that's why people buy from her and that's why people list with her as well. Right. I got two questions to go. Uh, I know on your show, you always say I've got a couple more questions so that people don't get freaked out about how long they've given their time up. Um, all right. So I got two more questions for you uh, and then I'll let you off the hook. So um, this is your own fault that you, you don't have one more question because you said something interesting and I want to go a little bit deeper on that. You talk before that between Christmas and New Year every year, you write down what you want to achieve in the next 12 months. What are you going to write on Boxing Day this year? 
Um, what am I going to write on Boxing Day this year? Uh, I think it's going to be a similar theme to to this year um, because I've in, I've enjoyed this year so far. So um, visiting more places because I've ticked that off. I said I want to see three foreign countries this year. And as you know, I've probably visited five or six and with a couple more to go this year. Spend more quality time with Louise, my girlfriend, because um, I think that is very important. Um, she must be listening. And actually, uh, I think she's gone to work. <laughs> uh, get, get myself to single um, single figures um, consistently on golf um, and the handicap. Um, and then from a business point of view, this probably is terrible, but I'm saying this. But again, in the in the going going for authenticity, I really don't know. You know, and and I think that that's an example again of where it started. I had no idea on the first of March where things would go, mm. um, and I'm I'm getting getting close to having worked with a hundred different agents. Um, and if you'd said to me six months ago, you know, you, you'd you'd be there, I I I wouldn't believe you. So. Um, yeah, I think with the business side of things, continue doing what I'm doing, adding value to uh, to clients. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have any particular goals in mind next year. Maybe I will by Boxing Day because still a lot of this year left to play. There is indeed, and we'll ask you that question uh, in January 2024, <laughs> which sounds insane to think about the future in 2024. Right, last question. Um, so now that you've spent five and a half months um, working with nearly a hundred different agents inside of some of the best real estate companies in the country, what does a world-class estate agency look like to you? Here we go. Leave the, leave the topics to that uh, to the end. Um, world-class, I think momentum is, is a good point on that. Geez, that's a good um, answer. <laughs> <laughs> but but they're, they're always... They are present in the moment, but also looking forward as well. So, uh, for example, right now, they're knowing that... Uh, so, let's look at it from World Class Agency of, of August 2023. They're knowing, uh, we've talked about the media at the start, the best agents right now are going out and having the difficult conversations with buyers and sellers mm. to help them navigate the market. I'd say the, the non-World Class agents are... Uh, putting their head in the sand and just blaming uh, interest rates uh, for perhaps faults in their business. Um, and then I think, again, going forward, as agents now who are like, okay, well, how we basically perform over the next few months will have a really, really big impact on what our 2024 looks like. Because it's that classic, like, a summer bodies built in the winter kind of vibes. And I think on that this will sound really random but you think of when someone goes and gets a six pack and is in like unbelievable shape that's taken them months if not years right to get to that it takes a few weeks to lose it so you have to work so hard and i think is it in james clear atomic habits where you know if you're at 100 a 50 percent rise takes 150 a 50 percent reduction takes about 75 from 150 so it's mm. it's a lot easier to lose it all um and a lot harder to gain it so yeah i think agents are really having difficult conversations at the moment um you know you look at 60 percent of properties are unsold 40 percent have price reductions uh you know there there's a lot of uh there's a lot of poor agency out there 
I sound really harsh saying that, but we obviously shared the stories last week. And I think just the last point on uh, World Class Agency, uh, the agent I mentioned last week, collaboration. You think of all these like Facebook groups, the agents mm. we come into contact with, the very best, I think, collaborate. The, the, the ones who perhaps aren't moving the needle in their business, perhaps losing market share, charging whatever the fee was you said earlier, 0.99%, including that, they're the ones who go, that won't work in my town. Mm. Why would I speak to another agent in my town? So, yeah, I'd say collaboration uh, is a big piece on that as well. And meaningful collaboration as well, not just throwing snide comments at each other on property industry I forums or Facebook groups, right? Actually getting out there <laughs> yeah. and saying, how can I leverage a big fee to get this client exactly what they want and make somebody else happy when they're moving house as well? I think that that's, that's really important. And actually, um, if I can summarize today's conversation, um, it's that momentum, consistency, whatever you want to call it, it compounds. And and you said there it, it can go both ways. So it feels like it's going to be incredibly difficult to gain it. But the reality is if you just focus on the next thing, it's not. And it is incredibly difficult. Uh, sorry, it's incredibly easy to lose it if you lose sight of that next thing as well. So it compounds on either side. Um the other thing that I, I sort of took away from this, and this, this was what I was hoping to get out of this conversation for everybody listening to this thinking, what's my September look like? Or what does the end of my year look like? Or what does my 2024 look like? You said on the 1st of March, you had an idea of what you wanted to get done in the next four weeks. And the work that you'd done, the momentum that you gained up until that point and beyond that point snowballed. And the, the proof there is that true momentum progress whatever you want to call it is four weeks away if you can put in that activity consistently day in day out and you can actually take your dreams or whatever your desires are or whatever your plan or your goals if you want to call it that and turn them into those decisions if i can tie this whole thing back into where we started so um from my perspective it's been an enlightening conversation um and to have you two weeks in a row it's been great to have a band back together i've really enjoyed it i think today was incredibly valuable um and i hope that whoever is listening to this and needed to hear it uh goes out and says no to a couple of things today but figures out what they can replace that no with as well to build some momentum into their life and their business too so gatesy thank you absolute pleasure thanks for having me mate